Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. folks quite the double header today quite the double header we had anton chaykin who's the obi-wan kenobi to matthew eretz skywalker and we have luke skywalker himself is in the building matthew eretz hopefully your notebooks are still smoking and smoldering from taking out all the notes that anton was putting out and now we got matthew eretz so i'm telling you right now folks get your pens ready bust bust out your pilot g2 gel ink pens my personal favorite and get ready because there's a lot of things to cover uh, Matthew Eret, welcome. I don't know what we're going to be discussing today because I know we've had Anton on. We're going to discuss a, a few things, maybe a little bit of, a little bit of, a little bit of. Maybe some of that because, you know, exceptional stand because it can't go to Mars. It can't go to the moon anymore and it has to rent rockets and can't build a space station. But it's going to focus on extraterrestrial war <laughs> because we want to liberate the Martians and give them democracy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the 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 floor is yours, man. I mean, there's a lot to cover. What do you want to get into, man? I mean, what do you yeah, want? Like, well, let's let's, let's have some fun. <clears throat> Absolutely, and and you know, this is a really fun topic, and and I'm glad that I I, I listened to to Anton's uh, presentation with you guys uh, just just now, and I'm, I'm I'm assuming that many of the listeners who are going to be listening to this video have already heard Anton um, go through his his amazing ma- like condensation of history of 300 years condensed into that one hour fruitful discussion um, on the battle between the two systems within America, within the better America and the, this uh, parasitical class that has never left after 1776 uh, where Anton was able to go through the tradition of all of the great American presidents from Lincoln McKinley uh, all the way to JFK who had resisted this thing um, and and had largely you could identify them by their the fact that they didn't live through their their presidencies. Um, so I'm assuming that people have have listened to that when they when they're listening to this. They don't have to if if that's the case, but it helps because um, it's totally changed how I was going to approach the topic of UFOs. Which mm. you you did it. You went you went to the X File soundtrack <laughs> land. I didn't th- I didn't think you were going to do it, but you did it. Um, and yeah, you know you'd imagine. With all of the the historical systemic um, things happening right now, you know the, we're sitting on the precipice of a controlled disintegration of the world financial system, 
you have a great reset being managed and, and being set up to be put online to bring in a new techno feudalism. Um, you got a real danger of a nuclear war uh, being instigated by forces controlling the US military industrial complex um, and NATO with Russia, China, and other nations who are actually representing the sort of uh, pro-development, anti-colonial approach that we had last seen in the United States with John F. Kennedy and Franklin Roosevelt that, that Anton had gone through. So you have the, this clash of paradigms, this historic moment, and a time where we have each of us a great responsibility to, to take, you know, uh, onus and, and, and ownership of our lives and the, and the world that we were born into uh, to be agencies of the good, to, to really think through causality, think through problem solving, um, and think through policies that need to happen to avoid a total uh, cataclysm. However, when you look at the, uh, the mainstream media today, I was just watching Tucker Carlson a couple of days ago. What you have is a lot of people's energy, their creative energy there is being driven into a state where their priorities are not solving all of these problems or the hunger of Africa or the, these are all of these major problems or war, nu nuclear war. They're not. They're thinking about, like you said, alien disclosure. You know, in, in July 1st, 2021, we're going to have a big uh, CIA file dump oh. of classified UFO oh, yeah. testimonies and, and sightings. Uh, how, about they, how, how about they do a dump on who killed Kennedy? How about that? How about they give us the, the picture, the selfie of the guy who shot the rifle from the grassy knoll right before he was about to shoot it? How, how, how about they release that selfie? How about that? But no, we're going to get some. There are these grays that are out there. They're three feet tall, with skinny little wanky bodies that cannot even stand G-forces with giant heads and big eyes. And they come from billions of light years away, Matthew. But they all wind up crashing exclusively in the United States. In the United States, yeah. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> yeah, nothing in Canada, nothing in Europe. Nothing in Russia, no. Just the no. U.S.? <laughs> Yeah. This is, oh, oh shit, we're losing control of our flying saucer. What do we do, Melmac? We need to crash in the United States. Your problem, V, is you're a lower dimensional binary thinker. You're not thinking on the higher exopolitical yeah. level, right? You're just playing into their games of caring about JFK or the takeover, the coup d'etat oh, of yeah, the United yeah. States by a deep state. No, that's lower order stuff. Don't, don't, you know, higher, higher level people who understand exopolitics don't concern themselves with those things. Because that's alien disclosure. And right below them yeah. is, a, you know, yeah, alien disclosure. Right, right. Yeah. That, that, so that, that's, that, that's what people need to worry about. You and, know what's funny? Yeah. It is infinitely cheaper and more beneficial for us to make mutually beneficial trade agreements to the development of nations like that or the nations that are in Africa mm -hmm. than to engage in the robbing, the looting, and the pillaging. The robbing, the looting, and the pillaging is the most expensive thing you can do. You will never spend more on resources. You will never spend uh, more on men and material and wasted lives and wasted energy than going in this militaristic route. But it only benefits that route. The militaristic route only benefits that few 0.01%, the elites. Mm -hmm. That's all it benefits. And that's why they use the most expensive way to get it done. Mm -hmm. If we were in control, we the people, right, we would engage in mutually beneficial trade. That will be profitable for all of us. But instead of looking at real problems like this, they want us to look to the stars. We can't even build a damn rocket. But they want us to go after, uh, after ET at this point. 
Well, and this is one of the interesting things. So when, and I, I spent years immersing myself years and years ago in, you know, I'm not a UFOologist, but I loved that, that uh, entire hypothesis that maybe that would explain, you know, all sorts of things that are inexplainable uh, in our current world and deep history. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time looking into this stuff and, and it was only when I started um, developing a, a bit more of a sense that, you know, maybe I'm, because tr- I realized at a certain point, okay, I'm trying to ask these bigger questions about world history and the creation of civilizations and UFO interactions without first having really taken the time to understand geopolitics, my, 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 the, the stuff available to me to understand, I, I wasn't looking at, I was, I was skipping steps. And that was brought to my attention that I didn't know a lot that I thought I did. And I had to reevaluate things and go back to the books and spend a lot more time researching, um, you know, basic history before I could then re reapproach the question of where, do where do where do these alien ufo encounters and and what are there any other plausible explanations to account for all of this yes there are it you don't have to go down the route of the disclosure project or stephen greer or anything else but one of the things that caught my eye when when looking at uh, the more recent reports that first started from the british uh, ministry of defense in 2020 or 2019 when they announced that they were going to be dumping and releasing uh, classified UFO phenomenon for decades that they'd been holding on to. Um, that was followed a week later by the United States saying that they would do the same thing. You had a big uh, dump of about 2 million documents in January 2021 this year, um, which was called the Black Vault. And basically, you know, it was like 2 million pages of, of eyewitness testimonies, anecdotal evidence, a few files, uh, video recordings of very, you know, you see the quality of these things somewhat somewhat scattered, you know, low quality, low res images of, of obviously something moving around on a screen. Um, but then when you started, when I started looking into um, the articles covering it, there are always these experts being brought in from, you know, uh, former high level Pentagon, De- Department of Defense officials, CIA officials, uh, bio, uh, bioterrorism officials with the CIA, who are all ufologists like they're all experts in ufo uh, ufo phenomenon giving their comments to various media mainstream media outlets talking about the these uh declassified reports people in the uh ministry of of uh of the of defense in the unit in the uk like nick pope was an, another major person who's been brought on to tucker carlson rt a lot of major media is, is covering this stuff and i started seeing when i started googling their names that m- most of them tended to be affiliated both with the military industrial complex with Lockheed Martin with the CIA and also with a weird organization called to the stars Academy of arts and science. I'm like, what the hell is to the art to the the stars Academy of arts and science. And sure enough, have you guys heard of this thing? No, it's the first time I'm hearing to the stars Academy. Yeah. To the stars Academy of arts and science. Uh, CJ, you can even like Google that and pull up their, the, the screenshot of their, their thing. This is an organization set up in uh, 2017. Um, with a, a cardboard cutout, I, I'm fascinated by cardboard cutouts like George Soros or Maury Strong, or this is another one who's a lower level kind of dopey guy uh, named Tom DeLonge, um, or Tom DeLonge, that's it. The um, uh, previous uh, rock star from Tom- Blink-182. Blink-182, yeah. Oh, yeah. exactly. So yeah. when his career as a, as a rock star, because, you know, back in the late 90s and, you know, for purity, he had a whole bunch of you know hit pieces on you know. Oh, this sold. guy was on Rogan before. Yeah, he was on Rogan a few times. Yeah. yeah, um, he's a he's 
you know, he documents how in the course of these road trips, he would just read UFO magazines all the time. And he was becoming really, really fascinated by that. And, and his career was stagnating by 2013, 2014, you know, he wasn't getting a lot of gigs, but all of a sudden he documents how, um, under a, an interesting set of circumstances, he was, uh, discovered, discovered by uh, high level people in the CIA and in intelligence because they had re recognized that he had solved, he had, he had discovered the master key and he had a hypothesis after reading all of these magazines on UFOs that uh, all religions were created by aliens who want us to fight to destroy ourselves so that they could ultimately take, like reap, reap human life energy and the earth's energy at some future time. And all of human civilization has been shaped by this manipulation by these aliens. Um, and he came up with this theory and, and then he, he documents how, um, these officials in the CIA and Pentagon uh, saw his talent and then recruited oh, so him talented. to create this new organization because they wanted the the masses to understand the truth oh, about yeah. aliens that have been held by known by high level officials in the government. So, so but, altruistic. Yeah, the but they CIA. needed an artist uh, who had a more creative spark to be able to communicate this to the people who are not able to understand it yet, which is why he created this thing. Now, the thing with this organization is it was. Uh, the people who tapped him and, and literally he says here in his promotional video through a series of meetings I was soon connected to a large group of US governmental officials from the CIA to the Department of Defense to Lockheed Martin skunk works These were the guys involved in the nothing fishy there. programs. No, not at all And he really he's he's dopey He really thinks that he is the man who like cracked the code and yeah. now he's being used for his talent to help uh, promote educational material in the media TV movies, uh, books, what magazines, comic books. A, a useful idiot. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing is that one of the key guys who organized this whole operation that absorbed him was John Podesta. And there are these emails between this guy, Delange, and, and Podesta, the former you know advisor to, to Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Bill, back in the 90s, um, Obama. Now, there and, he is. Uh, there's, there's Pedo Esta right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Pizzagate man himself. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Pizza. <laughs> yeah. And we know also that he played a major role in a lot of these war game scenarios, right? To uh, run a, a military coup should Trump, should their 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 program in cr conducting a color revolution in the U.S. fail. Um, he was running these these operations um, in the summertime of last year over what would be the scenario for a military coup. Um, also, pandemic scenarios. He's been a part of that, too. So, you know, this guy is deeply involved in this this what people call it deep state, whatever. But the fact that Podesta was was one of the key guys who organized in 2016, bringing this 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 dimwit into this process, and then you go to his website. So you go back to Two Stars Academy and you look at the About Us section. You start looking at all of the people involved on the advisory board, and you got people like um, uh, Chris Herndon, the former assistant to the president. You got Jim Semivan. Um, right there, who's the 25-year CIA National Clandestine Service Director. Uh, um, you got people like... Uh, the best uh, and brightest of humanities degrees. Yeah, Dr. Right Hal uh, Huthoff from the CIA, CIA Advisor and Department of Defense, Dr. Paul Rupp, uh, Rapp, CIA analyst and CIA, very high-level person. Nor Norman Kahn, lead CIA Biological Weapons Program lead, mm. uh, who's on the advisory board. <laughs> And you got Luis Elizondo. If you keep on scrolling down on that website a little bit, scroll down a bit more. And you got, uh, go down a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. There you go. You got uh, Luis Elizondo, who is the former head of the Pentagon 
Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that was disbanded in 2010. This is like the Pentagon's UFO program um, who's, ne who's working closely into the, in this thing. And he's always brought on Tucker Carlson. He's, he's like one of the most widely covered talking heads of this whole uh, process. Um, there's so many more. I'm just I'm leaving so many out right now. This is such bullshit. You, you know what it yeah, is. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. know what I said a long time ago, man. I said mm -hmm. in, a, in a few broadcasts. I'd say since the '50s, where we've maybe even the '40s, but definitely the '50s, and really started to accelerate in the '60s and '70s, and 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 now it's gotten damn acute at this point. Okay, yeah. uh, is that we're a nation that's given over to fantasy, and what mm -hmm. I mean by that is this. Okay, think about this. Look at our comic book heroes. Right? Look at the people. Oh, Superman, who he falls from the planet Krypton, and 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 this plant, you know, Green Lantern, alien powers, and the the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. We're given to fantasy. This is why, like movies, which are so stupidly made. And I look, I like Avengers. I like comic books. I collect comic books. It's fine. I did that. It was a pastime of mine. Right? But I'm not like these monot. You know, you got these. Little, I mean, we've seen the videos, man, on YouTube where people were crying because they saw a trailer of a, of, of a comic book movie. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, where we've gotten crazy. So yeah. you take this mythos, and I'm going to tie that into this. So you take this thing where we're given into into the myth of comic books. We're given into the myth of exceptional stand. We're given into the myth that that these aliens are coming here from billions of light years away, and they happen to all of a sudden they get close to the Earth, and they there's something goes wrong with their advanced, uh, you know, space contraptions. And they wind up crashing in, in the United States. And we're the only people. We can't even build high-speed rail, but we can reverse engineer alien technology. We have, mm -hmm. we have, we have stealth fighters that, that shoot themselves. We have aircraft carriers that cannot even land or, 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 or launch aircraft. But we're reverse engineering alien technology. Yeah. Really. A country that's invented 3,000 different genders. Yeah. But, you know, we can reverse engineer aliens. Why don't you believe us? We can really do this. We can. No, we can't believe you guys. OK, so this is another massive distraction, Matthew. Yeah. Where, are they, where, where do you think these morons are doing this? Why are they doing this now? Is well, it like because the said, thing stuck so bad they got nothing else to do to, to throw this to the public? <laughs> well, again, like I, I think the fact that it is these same agencies that these people work for that we know have taken over control of the U.S. and many Western governments after the murder of JFK and Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and we know what they want to do. Like we know that there has been a provable, demonstrable intention to get rid of sovereign nation states and reduce the world population down to uh, mathematically sustainable levels. So these technocrats think. Um, with a priesthood, you know, an, an elite class above nation states mm -hmm. um, controlling the world government institutions to manage the, pr the, the, the processes of production and consumption of goods. Um, and again, you know, like recently the, uh, the former Secretary of Defense of, uh, of Britain, uh, William Hague, he, he just wrote an op-ed um, for a new magazine on, on geopolitics of environmentalism um, last week, where he says that up until now, the paradigm for military has been, has tended to um, protect fossil fuel uh, deposits and things for national interest. And he said the new paradigm, and he's thinking the great post great reset paradigm, we have to think about using di diplomacy and military systems in order to stop nations from using their fossil fuel deposits, not protecting the fossil fuel deposits. 
Right. Um, so what these guys want is to get rid of the foundations upon which we can sustain industrial civilization and bring back an, a feudalism. So the fact that all of these characters who are working with these cardboard cutouts like DeLonga, um, I could also mention another one, uh, 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 Bigelow, Bigelow Aerospace. Uh, a few of the characters working with DeLonga are also part of Bigelow Aerospace. I mean, this is a guy... Um, what's his first name? Uh, Henry Bigelow or something? Uh, I, I wrote in an article recently. Um, uh, got it right here. Um, oh, I forgot. Anyway, Bigelow Aerospace was run by a real estate billionaire, um, you know, who basically made money speculating on real estate throughout the 80s and 90s and who decided to put, I mean, whether he decided or whether it was decided for him to put all of that money into UFO disclosures. Um, he then created the he's one of the founders of the new space movement. It's this Trojan horse space movement that people like Elon Musk, Branson, uh, Bezos, all of these other cardboard cutouts are part of. And I say Trojan horse because what are they doing? They're, they're trying to capture people's fascination with space and turn it into a not to basically, they want to eliminate the nation state from the, the equation and just have venture capitalist uh, theories of monetarism govern how, uh, space planning occurs. Yeah, it's kind um, of ridiculous. Bigelow's a major guy. He's he's put they've they've got a, a practical wing that is, has put robotics in the space station. But he's also one of the has been one of the key funders of uh, the Alien Disclosure Project. He was actually one of the key guys um, who, in 1993 or 92, set up the Disclosure Initiative, uh, which was the first real attempt to to create one singular unified umbrella organization of all of the hundreds of disparate UFO um, groups around the United States and Europe. And uh, it was eventually taken over. He didn't really have the, the, the talent to carry it forward, but he got the ball rolling. And the guy who did have the talent and the money bags to carry it forward was a guy named Lawrence Rockefeller. So again, surprise, why surprise. These, yeah, the fourth <laughs> son of, uh, of John D. Rockefeller and a high-level person who was involved in what Anton Shaken went through in his presentation before before this show, um, you know, he went through the Prince Philip, Prince Bernhard creation of the World Wildlife Fund, ecology uh, as a substitute for or a replacement for uh, real development or ending ending world poverty. That's the sort of thing Lawrence Rockefeller was. He was called the 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 father of modern conservationism in the United States. He was a founding member of the American Conservation Society a leading member of the World Wildlife Fund. So he was part of this nexus. But then at a certain point, and he's also, you know, heading up the, the Rockefeller Foundation Trust uh, for like 30 years. So yeah. very powerful guy, very in, in, implicated into things like MK Ultra as well, um, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but then all of a sudden he devotes all of his energy in the late 80s, 90s to UFO disclosure. And I actually got a, a, a little picture here from a, here, let me just do a little uh, very quick, um, screen share, just because I want people just to see this. While you, uh, while you bring that up, yeah. Remember Reagan? This is this was uh, after he's taking a bullet. Yeah. You know when the deep state put a a flechette on his rib and pulled the trigger. Yeah. And after he got shot, goes, I often think, what would happen if we were facing a threat, an alien invasion from beyond? And yeah, yeah. This is always there. It, it, it's this is what they're hoisting mm -hmm. on the population as the wheels unravel. It, it, it's insanity, Matthew. Go ahead, you, got it, you got the clip up. Go ahead. 
Yeah, it, and this is a, a picture of <clears throat> of, uh, of Lawrence Rockefeller meeting at his estate in, I think, Wyoming with Hillary Clinton. John and Podesta what? was there. And um, uh, is that Bill Clinton right there? That's Bill on the right. Uh, one, um, one of the things I like to tell you, Matthew, is that uh, my real daddy's uh, Winthrop Rockefeller. <laughs> That's my real daddy. And uh, right here, I was meeting my uncle. He's my great uncle right here. And, uh, you know, we talked about aliens and... Uh, we talk about uh, probing. I like to probe all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wasn't lying when I said that I did not have sex with that woman because I was. I, I've been told by Matthew. reliable sources that she was an alien. <laughs> I not did a woman, not have sex. Else. I did not have sex with that man, Saddam Hussein. <laughs> I didn't do it. It's a. These guys were completely enmeshed, and a lot of people don't realize this. But once the the disclosure initiative was set up and funded by Rockefeller. And he set up all of these these high level meetings again, recruiting Podesta. Al Gore was a part of these meetings. Um, was high, was recruited to this. Hillary, who came out saying that she supports you know full disclosure and things, um, there was an immediate dump. Like their their work resulted in the first sort of government approved dumping of declass of classified um, UFO evidence. And the evidence is always anecdotal, right? Always anecdotal. Um, obviously people, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, yes, they've seen mysterious, unexplained phenomenon flying. Yes. Okay. But is that actually evidence to prove that it's, it's all true? And, or is that what is it is what they think it is or something else? That's, that's the big question. Um, so that, that happened in 1994, 95, there was a big dump. And again, you go through it and people thought, okay, finally, we were going to get, these are the X-Files. We're going to get them. Uh, here's the evidence. And there was never any smoking gun evidence, just like there wasn't any smoking gun, gun evidence with the, the black vault or anything like that. And there nor, nor will there ever be that smoking gun evidence. It's just more classified information. And just because a government has uh, put money into a department for, that, that is secretive um, doesn't make it true. OK, that's that's an important thing to keep in mind because people are like, oh, but then why would the government have been had why would they have had these flying saucer working groups and things for all of these years and putting taxpayer money into that unless it was true and it's like the government does a lot of things have you ever watched the movie a spoon or the men who stare at goats or read the book <laughs> you know <laughs> the government yes. puts tons of money into whole swaths of 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 uh military officials high level military officials generals all the way down the chain of command into studying how they could align their particles with walls to run through walls or stare at a goat until its heart explodes using quantum theory. And tens of millions, if not more dollars were put into this in Fort, Fort Bragg um, and many other uh, agencies. This is largely what's contaminated. This is what has made the, the top jarhead brass in the US military in, in the last 30, 40 years so insane because they are all thinking in this loopy quantum physics way because they went through a brainwashing at the Esalen Institutes in the early 70s and, and late 70s um, and had all of this stuff infused. That Does that make it all like legit science? No, it, it's part of the uh, how our, our nation was made insane to the point that we're willing to self-destruct in nuclear war today instead of thinking through solving the solvable problems of the oncoming economic collapse and working with Russia and China the way Anton was talking with you guys. So this is, again... Why do why do these guys care? Do maybe are they trying to maybe distract us from real issues? Yeah. That's what I tend to think. And and certainly if you go back and think, well, if if Martin Luther King Jr. was spending all of his time talking about UFO disclosure rather than talking about stopping the war in Vietnam and ending economic injustice and and human rights abuses in America uh, as well as globally, would he have been very effective? 
Probably not. So <clears throat> I just wanted to uh, to throw that out there as, as one thing. The other thing that is very important is I mentioned MKUltra. And here, let me just stop the screen share for now. I don't really need the screen share for a little bit. Um, okay, people don't see the screen now, right? Okay. No, it's cut. Okay. So <clears throat> one of the things that people... And again, oh, here's one thing that I didn't say. When he, when Lawrence Rockefeller created the Disclosure Project, one of the key guys who he early on recruited in the late 80s to his pro, his operations was a bodybuilding uh, biologist named Stephen Greer, oh, who yeah. a lot of the re listeners might know of. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Very vocal face of this movement. Um, but he's always been beholden to Lawrence Rockefeller's uh, machine from that get-go period. And yes, you know, like there are people and people say, oh, but look at all of the high level um, witnesses who have been astronauts, who have been high level people in the military, who all while all flying their dipped. jets, huh? All sheep dipped. Yes. You know, like they basically they saw what they saw. They saw unexplained things that they were not vetted to know about and operations. They're high value, high value uh, targets. So they were they're they're being able to convert them into a, a ufo um advocacy mentality is very high value for people who have been putting decades of work into creating this ufo subculture as a as a distraction so they put a lot of effort and one to get a sense of this people just need to read the the story this is not a, a new technique this goes back to the 18th century even when um um there's a, a very interesting figure named frederick schiller who who wrote an intelligence a book called the ghost seer yeah. um it was called and and this he's basically laying out exactly the techniques of the venetian intelligence operatives yep. uh, because it's set in venice and, and, quick... and those are the uh the banking elite right there yeah that's the, the center of elite. world finance it's the center of intelligence that's how this tiny little area of venice with all of its inbred elite were able to control the world for over a thousand years after rome collapsed it's the same families from rome before they changed operations and moved to their new center of command in London. But before that, it was Venice. And, and Schiller writes this amazing play or short story in the 1790s. Yep. And he's part of, Schiller himself is also part of these same uh, intelligence networks that Benjamin Franklin is a part of in Europe, uh, working against this evil parasite. That's what people don't realize. Like, ben Franklin was in the Hellfire Club. Yeah, he was a double agent. He was a spy. Yeah. It's counterintelligence. That's counterintelligence. Counter yes. And, and uh, he was our first spy, folks. If you don't know, go ahead. Anybody who wants to know about that can read Anton Shakin's Volume One, which I, I finished reading a while ago. It's amazing. Um, but the real Benjamin Franklin is taken through there from his early twenties all the way through his life till the till his nineties or eighty nine. Um, all that to say, Schiller goes through in the story how you have a, a you know a, a young German prince who's on vacation in Venice, and uh, he's a high value uh, target for Venetian intelligence, but because he's psychologically profiled, he's kind of like Tom DeLonga. He's, he feels like he's insecure because everybody values him for his wealth and fame, but not because of his intellect and, and deepness that nobody understands he feels. And, um, and he doesn't have a strong moral sense of identity either. Like he's the third in command or third in line of the throne of whatever duchy he's, he's going to go back to. And uh, and so he doesn't think that real political power is is going to be in his life because he's got two more people ahead of him. Um, but while he's in in um, in um, in Venice, weird things start happening, and he's there anonymously, 
and I'm going to go back to the UFO thing, but I just want to really get, get across this. I want, I want people to know why they should read this story because it's so packed with insight. Weird things start happening and, uh, and scenarios are created for him to walk into that. Um, like for example, one guy says, you know, all of a sudden he will, an, Arme an Armenian fellow who's mysterious says he will die. He died at 9 PM. And he's like, what, what's going on? And then he walks away and then he discovers a couple of days later that his brother who was the next in line for the throne died at 9 PM the day before. But it's like, how did the Armenian know that? Um, and he, he increasingly is, is introduced into more and more elaborate scenarios, um, being brought into a Oracle and, and going through, um, um, a, a medium, you know, like, so somebody's like talking to spirits with, and he's holding hands with other people. And, and that turns out to be an artificially created operation with a hologram, an early hologram from the 18th century being set up, uh, to convince them that there's this supernatural world that these figures are interacting with and they're, they're recruiting him into, uh, what later on becomes a Masonic operation. And, and this story is, is agonizing because he's slowly deconstructing his identity and he's becoming reconstructed as an artificial um, instrument for the will of the of the Venetian intelligence, and you know he, you got to keep in mind it, his the 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 other person who's who's the 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 last person ahead of him in in the chain of command obviously ends also dies in, under mysterious circumstances, and after he's bankrupted, he's brought into the Hellfire Club type scenarios. He's brought into a Masonic operation. He's he's now totally a hedonist, um, and and he is now in converted from Protestantism to Catholicism, but a, a really weird mystical variety of it, an, a Gnostic variety. And he's now being set up to be reinstalled back into Germany as a, a tool of the Venetians who are setting up these, these never ending wars between Protestants and Catholics for the entire, for like over 130 years. That was like much of the pre-American revolutionary period. So Schiller's just going through the, the, the level, the quality of intrigue and Byzantine smoke and mirrors one has to understand is deployed for a high value target. Um, as part of intelligence. This is the sort of thing that was used after World War II, especially it was tweaked with MK Ultra in, uh, in 1953. And people need to understand what was what was MK Ultra? Well, th this this was an operation set up by the CIA using information and direction from London, from British intelligence that had cultivated all of this science of how do you deconstruct a human mind? And this was done with London's Tavistock Clinic and Tavistock Institute that were set up to investigate shock, basically shell shock people, P uh, PTSD uh, patients from World War One. Yeah, it was all trauma-based programming. Yeah, and they were they were look they were looking at the the question of how do you um, create a blank slate? How do you how do you completely d destroy somebody's history, their identity, and then to be able to rebuild what uh, the psychologist in control of the operation thinks is a a healthy person. They always had the mindset to do this to all of society. And they, they were using as case studies at first in the 20s and 30s, individual soldiers. And they found that, yes, individual soldiers who've gone through these abnormally bad personal experiences are disassociated uh, very easily. They lose faith in their ability to form judgments and they become highly malleable and suggestible. And so this, this work was carried forth further and further um, and then was applied in the United States as part of, again, MK Ultra, And, um, and that can be investigated as, and, and it was always done as, as Naomi Klein, who I don't really like Naomi Klein overall, but she wrote a really good book called shock therapy or shock, the shock doctrine a few years ago. And in it, she goes through how this 
was applied to South American countries with uh, in, in Brazil, uh, the overthrow of Allende and the creation of, of Pinochet's regime, which was all done to shock people the way you would shock an individual and to reconstruct them in the eyes of how a technocrat would like society to be uh, arranged. That's what's also been behind Russia's shock therapy in the 90s was these, these psychological case studies that were applied to a whole nation, which didn't work out, as we could see, because they ultimately got sick of it after a few years of being raped um, and chose to instead go with survival where Putin came in in 97. But the point is they, they've been applying this and that's what they're, is informing their decisions on the Great Reset. So what Naomi Klein points out in her piece is that MKUltra, although it was 1953 that it was set up, and it, it was only made, I think, public in 1973 with the cross uh, hearings in the United States. But th this, and, and again, this involves using, I mean, hundreds of thousands of human guinea pigs, people who were in asylums, prisons, um, all, all sorts of things, were, were given uh, all sorts of psychotropic drugs, electroshock, other things um, in order to, to do this. But she makes the point this didn't really start in 1953. The official starting point was in 1951 when you had a meeting between um, a fellow from British um, who basically ran the British Ministry of Defense and he was the president of Magdalena College in Oxford. His name was Sir Henry Tizard. Um, he also was the, the guy who, had, who led the 1940 Tizard Working Group in the United States to bring in, to get the US to adopt a nuclear weapons program. Uh, the British uh, tube alloys program. Um, but he meets in 1951, June 1st, with Oman Salant, who is a high-level guy in the uh, Canadian Defense Department, and the CIA in Montreal, Canada, here where I live, at the uh, oh boy. At, a, at a hotel, um, at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, to discuss brainwashing. And that was what got the ball rolling to uh, MKUltra. Part of the one of the key guys that Oman Salant works with is uh, is a figure named Ewan Cameron, who ran the Allen Memorial Clinic in uh, McGill, which did a lot of the the stuff that the CIA didn't want to do on home turf at, at the time. Right. Um, the most ugly uh, conditioning. So um, <clears throat> these guys are all part of the same nexus that then goes ahead and tries to transform the society's ethic from being pro-development, anti-colonial into being pro-nature, anti-human. Um, that, that was sort of the shifting that, that took place between 1945 and 1963 with the death of Kennedy. And it really amplified after Kennedy's murder when the, when these different organizations, um, were put online. Now, last show we did last week, um, I cited one of these figures named Maurice Lamontang, who, who was a collaborator with Oman Salant. Again, Oman Salant is, is, you can't even find a picture of the guy, but he, he tizzard, um, super high level, much more influential in our world than, than many people realize. He had written, um, so Lamontang, remember when we cited the quote, it was when he was restructuring all of government science policy in 1969 to 70 under Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And he had that quote that we read on how creativity is the problem. Human creativity causing Correct. technological progress offsets the equilibrium of nature. And so for him as a founder, a co-founder of the club of Rome with Sir Alexander King, um, the, the, the thinking had to be, and, and he, he's explicit in, in what we read from his own words, um, that we have to figure out how do we end man's creativeness, or if we can't end it, how do we rechannel it into activities that, um, 
reduce the tension between human beings and nature, basically windmills, solar panels, things that reduce human activity, uh, reduce the, the carbon footprint as it later became, that's the terminology that later became used um, instead of, of building dams or, or railroads or things that will uh, enhance or increase our industrial carbon footprint. Um, so Amon Salant is working with La Montagne and Amon Salant says, and these are the guys who, who say they love technology, they love science um, that gave birth to, anyway, um, he says, as he's the uh, the head of the defense research board working with, with La Montagne, he says, there is no longer any need to advance science. This is literally what he says. What they a moron. Is rather to understand, guide, and use the science we already have effectively for the welfare of mankind. What the hell does a guy who's involved with MK Ultra care about the welfare of mankind? None. Right? He's a control no. freak. Yes. And he's a techno feudalist. Yeah. And they're the ones who first created the narrative that all of the tech that we thought were created by the human, human intellect, uh, space tech, supersonic jets, uh, GPS, all of these things that people had had thought were were created by the, by the human mind, capable of discovering laws of the universe as a beautiful thing. They said, "No, no, this this was actually gotten from alien spacecraft in Roswell that we retooled and then used. Uh, so don't actually think human beings are anything special. We just stole it from aliens, um, or they gave it to us. One of the two. Have have your have a debate whether you think we stole it or whether they gave it to us. You know, you're free to talk." Uh, the the other guy and you're talking about like you know the transgender all, all this like you know um well, the alien critical gay. theory in our in our society that makes people really mushy-minded and susceptible well, to all sorts that, of things like that, that came from the grays matthew the alien grays from um the planet uranus has uh, <laughs> infiltrated mankind and showed us that we are all gender fluid non-binary individuals and right. the people who are like cisgendered males like cj is a problem <laughs> yes, ab absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all the all the 73, 74 new genders are actually they are really scientifically valid, validatable genders from the grays. Well, in, in your country, if you don't use a pro proper pronoun, that's a problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the rainbows out there. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're gonna have to stop calling them the grays and call them the rainbows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, now, uh, one of the things that made people susceptible when you look at a quote we didn't read from Lamontang last week is Lamontang, and this guy again, co-founder of the Club of Rome, the Limits to Growth Agenda, the World Wildlife Fund uh, program, all of this stuff. Th this is what he's a high-level part of, a former head of the Privy Council of Canada. Um, he says the new wisdom, and he's always talking about the new wisdom the that new we have wisdom. to create, uh, prescribes that the additional research and development effort be devoted to the life sciences and social sciences rather than the physical sciences to economic and social objectives rather than curiosity and discovery. Yeah, curiosity and discovery. That's so passe. So that's what the, these guys do. So he restructures the entire governance of science policy in Canada. Like it's it's not a small thing to say. It's totally restructured under, under this guy's uh, um, uh, Royal Commission and, and Justin, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. They do this. Similar things are done under collaborators in the United States under, you know, that's another story and that it takes them years later to, to effectively do this in the USA. Um, and they, they basically cut all funding for the hard sciences that would allow mankind to actually discover laws of the universe to, to, to do space programs, to do supersonic jets like Canada was the, the pioneer of this. 
Oh in my the, god, uh, the Canadian uh the Avro Arrow, man. Wow. Yeah, Avro Arrow was the first nation what a of the plane. First, Holy the first plane to do supersonic, yeah. And they they dismantled it. People like Oman Salant were involved in Henry Wimpress were involved in the cancellation and dismantling, literally carving up the seven jets that we'd created into scrap metal and throwing them into, into trash and firing all of the, 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 the pioneering scientists who made it happen. Right. So God forbid they, the, the, the Canadians build a, a supersonic fighter that is capable of incredible range yeah. that could intercept any bomber coming over the horizon and it's better than anything in America's arsenal. God forbid. Well, you know what? I'm I'm willing to say that 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 the ICBMs that were being developed by the USA might have been they, they might have been more effective at that at doing the job of delivering a warhead than the Avro Arrows were. But the point is the the science of the Avro Arrow should never have been dismantled. And you could have peaceful, practical passenger jets and other things doing that. Uh, you know, instead of it being just literally. Uh, all prototypes being destroyed, papers being filed, being burnt. So these guys are putting all their money into, you know, social sciences, humanities, not learning about, you know, irrelevant things like engineering and, and space. What's happening in the, U in the U.S.? Well, at the same time this is happening, NASA gets its max funding in 1965. So people think that, oh, NASA funding, as far as a percentage of overall GDP, just kept on increasing. No, it it capped off at 1965, two years after JFK was killed, was the max funding per GD, per capita GDP at, I think, nearly 4%. Every year since, co consistently to the present day, it's been going down and, and, and at a faster and faster rate. Um, so 1966, less, 67, less, 68, less. So by the time we actually uh, achieve the goal of putting a human being on the moon, I'm not going to get into the whole fight of whether that happened. Um, with some some viewers might have a, a conniption fit, but I, I I assert that that did happen. But the point is, they were already at cutting down the funding and cutting the legs off of this thing, such that by 1973 the whole thing was scrapped. Uh, Apollo programs were canceled because we were told, okay, we we put the flag on, we uh, gave the moon to the <laughs> we we mooned the 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 rush the Ruskies, and that's it. You know, we played golf on the moon. And they they dismantled all of their 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 space capsules, put them in museums, shut them down, just like they did to the Avro Arrow. So we lost the ability to even do that. Such that today people are talking about, oh, maybe in a decade we can put another human being back on the moon and from the United States. It's like we already did that 50 years ago. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but why why is it that today we can't put a toaster on the moon? Uh, because we, we they That's consciously we shut lost down all the technology, Matthew. That's what yeah. NASA told us. We lost the technology. That's so why we can't go back to the moon. So that's the thing. And that's why I'd like to just end it with, with this year. Um, I feel like I've been talking too long, but if I'm going to do another screen share, cause there's something that I did want to, um, I love the Avro arrow, man. It's such a beautiful plane. Great interceptor. Oh, it really is. It, it was so beautiful. <clears throat> and, uh, and in, in a way we did a favor, you know, to NASA scientists because a lot of the, the cutting edge scientists in Canada couldn't find any work at that point. And uh, they mo they mostly had to go to the United States and and become a become players in um you know in NASA, without that edge maybe that you know a lot of the objectives of NASA would not have been met. So one of the things that I think are important to get across is that people are seeing tech right. They've been seeing over the entire Cold War period things like Area Fifty One, which was an aerospace. Uh, zone. They they did a lot of radioactive testing there too. Radioactive bombs and stuff were, were tested around these zones. The Cold War was hyper secrecy. That was the nature of the game. It was all counterintelligence, triple agentry, hyper secrecy. Um, so people were were looking up in the sky 
all the time and seeing phenomenon that they didn't understand that seemed to disobey the basic laws of aerodynamics that we're comfortable with. But what would account for that other than what we're being told from the Disclosure Project or Tom DeLonge or, or Lawrence Rockefeller? Well, what you have there are uh, Reiner and Walter Horton. Um, these were two brothers who worked uh, for the Nazis. They were two very, very smart, cutting-edge aerospace engineers who developed different types of designs of jets um, that could travel with a thousand kilometers of bombs, a thousand, and they at a thousand kilometers an hour. Um, basically, they were aircraft with with no tail or fuselage, and uh, their designs were revamped uh, after World War II into the B two uh, stealth bomber. That's where mm -hmm. this this design might look a little familiar to some people. Yeah, Northrop's flying wing. Yeah, as the this is called the the Horton uh, H. Oh, the German Horton, yes. And that's just one of several designs that they had worked on. A lot of these, I mean, a lot of these things were classified after World War II during Operation Paperclip. A lot of it was was absorbed into the U.S. military industrial complex. Um, we got things like the SAC AS6 that we have documentation. The the leading engineer uh, who worked on it, Arthur SAC, talks about this. He's published his work on it. That they developed a prototype in 1944. It was a circular uh, craft, right. which um, had was able to fly. Um, it had uh, double turbines. They were quite big and it completely disappeared by April 1945. It was absorbed into the increasing security state of, you know, uh, classified world of, 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 of the Cold War. Um, the V7, Dr. Walter Mitte uh, developed a flying disc called the, the V7. And Matthew, it used did high you intensity. Hit the, did you hit the huh? screen share on that? No, I no. forgot. I, I actually forgot to find the image of it. <laughs> no I'm just talking right now. Don't, don't be distracted by what you see. <laughs> okay. It's okay, not right. what you see. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Dr. Uh, Walter Mitha uh, used high intensity electrical charges to turn oxygen into fuel. And it was apparently, as, as uh, Mitha describes, um, this was confiscated by the Russians after World War II. Um, there's uh, Captain Edward Ruppelt who uh, was the head of the Project Blue Book. It was an American uh, flying saucer working group set up in 1952 to investigate phenomenon like this. Um, it was modeled on the British flying saucer working group that was set up by Henry Tizard, Sir Henry Tizard that I talked about earlier, who was part of the MP Ultra thing. He's also the guy who set up the fir in first international, or it was a British-based, government-funded uh, flying saucer working group in 1950. That was Sir Henry Tizard rat ran this thing. Um, again, just like, why does he really care about this? Or are they using uh, interesting phenomenon that they got from the H.G. Wells War of the Worlds broadcast with Orson Welles during World War II that, you know, people were, were hearing on their radio that aliens from Mars had landed and were hostile and you had riots, you know, in New York. Um, people were trampled because they didn't know that they were listening to a, the reading of a serial. It was being read like it was a real broadcast. And it was a total yeah. social engineering experiment. Um, people like Henry Tizard were paying close attention to this thing from the get-go. People in Tavistock were paying attention to group dynamics. Um, so obviously, <laughs> anyway, this guy who runs the Canadian, uh, sorry, the American uh, Project Blue Book uh, study group, he ends up, he, he's a bit more honest. And he he makes his final report where he says, when World War II ended, the Germans had several radical types of aircraft and guided missiles under development. Yep. They were the only known craft that could even approach the performance of objects reported by UFO observers. Um, one such guy who I really like this guy, I think he's interesting. He's an Austrian uh, scientist um, named Victor Schauberger. And, and Schauberger's work was complete, was 
classified. What we have seen of this, this is one uh, design from uh, the Germans of one of his flying saucer designs, but it used an internal anti-combustion engine. So it, it sort of like sucked in air um, and, and uh, it used two turbines on the bottom. These were very big craft with using centripetal force and uh, basically didn't have typical combustion fuel. It didn't work that way, but it used uh, water and air currents to create electrical currents that um, according to a lot of very interesting coverage of the day of the 1940s and 50s of those who had seen it in action, who were high level people in Italy, in Germany, including uh, Schauberger's own designs and his testimony himself, this thing could fly up uh, three kilometers into the sky in three seconds. It was very, very fast. Um, and it was using the basic discoverable laws of physics. This guy modeled himself and his method of thinking off of Leonardo da Vinci, who was again looking at how do you use the forces of nature and the spiral functions with the He was focusing always on the golden section that occurs in living processes in nature. How do you use that and harness it for technology? Um, he was a good soul. But the problem was when he came after World War II, um, he was absorbed, he was he was invited to come to uh Canada in the United States. And he was told that his designs were finally going to be used for the good because he was he originally met Hitler in 1934 and Hitler said, I want to use your your technology for the benefit of mankind. And he he, he had hoped that Hitler wasn't bullshitting him. And um, and so he developed it and discovered that that wasn't the case when World War Two began. He was very, very sad. But when he was told again now by the, the victors, uh, the allies that, OK, if you come over, we'll we'll, you know, support your work, we'll put we'll give you a blank check. Uh, to con uh, conduct your research. And uh, he brought his prototypes and every everything else. And uh, immediately he had meetings with the heads of Avro Aero in Canada yep. who wanted his designs. And he quickly discovered that it was only the military industrial complex that cared and would obviously only use it for military purposes, like deploying a bomb. Um, and he he stopped he stopped acquiescing to all of the meetings. And, and after a couple of years in the US, he he found his, his patents were confiscated. There was a complete... Uh, operation to confiscate his patents um and he was sent back uh, a broken man to austria where he like died really depressed but the 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 science really is solid and there's there's documentation books videos that have made going through his method what this this was so there are other approaches that oh by the way there's the the sac sas60 another another design of another uh, jet um, some of these were, uh, this one guy, Heinrich Focke designed another turbo shaft with two turbines. It was like a 40 meter, uh, saucer device with a new propulsion system. So, uh, this stuff has been out there. And when people say that they see all of these, uh, unexplained flying objects, they're seeing unexplained flying objects. The thing is, they're not seeing what they think that they're seeing, you know? Um, so just to say there are alternative sufficient theories that don't require uh, shape-shifting aliens. And I didn't even talk about crop circles because part of this too, people are like, oh, but what about the crop circles? It's like, well, okay, crop circles themselves only began in 1970 in Britain. And there were, if you look at images of these early uh, crop circles, they're crappy looking, they're, they take no talent. And then you look at some of these beautifully intricate fractal-like crop circles today, and they're really nice looking. But then I'm thinking, like, if you had these transcendent, uh, transcendental uh, alien species that are so advanced that they could travel faster than the speed of light or, or manufacture a wormhole or whatever you want to come up with, that, that have been with us for, for millennia, just overseeing human society and just poking around at us every once in a while, why would their quality of artistic craft 
in producing crop circles improved so much in only three decades. Right. <laughs> yeah, it Pick should one. be intricate and advanced off the bat. And, and, and it's only, you know, see the, our, our fine feathered uh, alien brethren, they understand that not only is the United States a great place to crash, but the, the UK and the US are also wonderful places. They have the best GMO wheat and cornfields that GMO wheat and cornfields are, are, are able to bend and create these intricate things. So they only come here, nowhere else in the world, nowhere else in the world. No, exactly. Exactly. And, and so, you know, for me, it, it's, it's very important to just look at all of these anomalies. And I know a lot of people have invested a lot of time reading books and watching documentaries and other things about um, UFOs. And they might find some of what I've said offensive, but really look into it. Really look at MK Ultra. Look at how our society was was turned insane, literally insane to the point that we willingly destroyed our industrial base, our capacity to sustain our children or people into the future. We did it ourselves. And now we're acquiescing as we go into a great reset and a nuclear war with Russia and China. How insane are we? This was manufactured for us. There was an operation with a lot of effort to put in to make us insane um, that targeted the military, that targeted the intelligence agencies that were cleansed and purged of patriots um, when the OSS was disbanded in 1945. Yeah. There were people who understood the Wall Street uh, City of London axis promoting fascism throughout World War II in the 30s and eugenics. These were people loyal to the anti-imperial vision of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, people like Henry Wallace, but a lot of people in the OSS were a part of that. Um, and they were purged and they were labeled red commies. Their lives were destroyed. People like Henry, uh, uh, uh Paul Robeson, yeah. the great civil rights leader, but also singer, uh, actor. I mean, this guy was a powerhouse who co-created the Pan-African movement. He was an American co He, he is, he menteed or, or mentored, uh, Kwame Nkrumah. Um, yeah. for God's sakes, in the forties who came here studying FDR's Tennessee Valley authority to bring this into the, in, into Africa and shape the pan-African movement. Paul Robeson was deconstructed under an MK ultra, uh, operation for two years in London's Priory hospital, suffering uh, hundreds of shock therapy treatments with psychedelics. Um, and when he was brought back, originally his plan was to come back from his European tour and lead, uh, the American civil rights movement. 15 years before MLK showed up on the scene as the leader, it was supposed he's the, he came out openly saying he would lead it and tie it to the anti-fascist and anti-imperial fight globally from the get-go. And he came back a broken shell, never really came out of his basement for the last 15 years of his life. He didn't participate in what MLK had done. So again, MK ultra Tavistock, all the fact that all of these forces that funded that, that created that science of human brainwashing and applied it were all the same people who were the founding fathers of the modern UFO cult, all of them. And they continue to be their but their heirs, people like John Podesta, um, you know, it's still there. So people have to really think, why is this there? Why, what am I being distracted from actually appreciating about myself, about humanity, about the nature of the game that I'm, I've born into? Um, because space flight is an important part of the human experience. We are born into a universe. We're born into space. The earth is in space, right? right? What we think of as weather is actually an intersection. The clouds, the, the electromagnetic field around the earth is a protective shield that evolved over time, separating us with a whole ocean of cosmic radiation. A lot of it is very harmful to life, but, but we're the only species capable of not only breaking outside of the limits of that environment that we evolved in but that can also reproduce, replicate, 
the conditions of ecosystems on Earth on another planet if we're thinking long enough ahead, right. such that you can imagine terraforming Mars if you understand the laws of nature. You could you could extend human civilization over the coming you know generations into other into the solar system and beyond if you do it without skipping steps and right. you think properly about what the process is. You know, we could stop an asteroid. Russia and China have a program to do that. They've invited us to be a part of it. Asteroids have destroyed, or somehow through causes we don't fully understand, have destroyed most of life that's ever existed. Yep, 90% of all life that ever existed has been extinct. I think 99.9%, yeah. yeah. And uh, humans are the first species to exhibit a quality that can break that cycle. So maybe that was our design. Our purpose is partially to do that for other to be freed up to do other higher things. And maybe the whole ecosystem would be greener and happier if we did that instead of shutting down industrial civilization in order to defend nature from human human creative thought. Yeah. Um, the way the great resetters like Klaus Schwab are, are pushing. So exactly. I would just end it there. I, I think that that's that's the core point I want people to really walk away with. Very Good well stuff. said. Matthew Errett, the man. Thank you for joining us, buddy, and thank you for taking us a trip down this very, very important corridor that nobody's going to really touch base upon because you're going to have a lot of morons coming out of there saying, I've been abducted by aliens and I've been probed. I know they're real, you know? And you're going to have morons like this Tom idiot who thinks he's so damn special because he's a rock star and the CIA wants to use him. Unreal. You got to listen to this guy speak. Just go to go to YouTube and listen to him or go to his website. Go to to the stars academy and just listen to his videos it's, it's, it's a, a total oh my god real real ego in this guy he really yeah. just a shell but but again he's he's like the german prince in schiller's Gosier. he has <laughs> exactly totally insecure and and that's why he was profiled and they were like okay we got a hot one we can use this guy that's why john podesta liked him and uh yeah i mean and and uh, and also part of this whole thing is is that the, the oligarchy themselves, the, the oligarchs trying to manage this thing are themselves super insecure uh, as they are aware that human beings have this higher quality that they've been trying to keep us from understanding within ourselves. Because if we understood it and adopted and accepted that that is our identity, we wouldn't accept living under the arbitrary rule of an empire and an inbred masterclass wanting to dominate us for whatever ivory tower idea that they have of a utopia. We wouldn't accept those conditions. We wouldn't accept mass starvation or unnecessary wars that kill lives of children. We would not do that. So, you know, the oligarchy is very insecure because they're working against nature. They're working against the nature of, of the human spirit and natural law um, by creating all these artificial, you know, things that just disrupt the natural creative evolution of the of the species. So very well said. Yeah. Folks, thank you all for listening in. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, share your word. And again, Matthew Eric is here. Check out his website, the Rising Tide Foundation, as well as the Canadian Patriot. The links are in the description box. And make sure you join his Substack. What the hell's wrong with y'all? You're in here listening to Matt just break it down. If you're not joining his Substack, you ain't nobody. You ain't nobody. <laughs> I love I love that. And and last thing too, we're gonna be starting um as many of your viewers know, um, with the Rising Tide Foundation that I run with with my wife. Uh, Cynthia, we 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 host weekly Sunday lectures at 4 p.m. EST uh, Eastern Standard Time every Sunday. Uh, we're starting a new symposium of 13 or 14 classes. Anton Chaikin will be giving one of the classes, awesome. going through the lost art of statecraft from the ancients Ooh. to the present. Um, every Sunday, 4 p.m. If you want to be involved or get an invite to the these live lectures, simply write to info at risingtidefoundation.net. 
um, and we will send you the invite. So be involved in that. Exactly. And, and join, join up. And, and when you get over there, you can join their telegram. They have an awesome telegram group as well. Uh, there's a lot. There's, there's, I mean, you're getting a, a university grade education on what the hell's really going on in the world history. I mean, you name it, man. It's, it's the place. And with that being said, folks, we are over and out. Take it away. CJ. Yeah.